Hello, my name is David Lesner, and I'm one of the pastors at Creekwood United Methodist Church. We are located in Fairview, Texas, right east of Allen, just north of the Dallas area. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at one of our worship services, which we'd love to invite you to check out live at 8.30 a.m. for traditional or 11 a.m. for contemporary on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page or the recorded version on YouTube. We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC or our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God. Is it on? Yeah. Our reading today is from the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kingdom, kindred and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, Pete and Barry are uh, the definition of visionary people, in my opinion, very faithful people. Pete was the visionary behind this prayer garden behind me. He was one of the visionaries behind Live Nativity. Barry's been a visionary behind just about everything else uh, that's been here. Uh, just incredible faithful people that joined with others to say, yes, let's go do something. Let's do something crazy and wild and imaginative. It's going to be hard, but it turned out to be awesome, just as God promised them. It would be. The thing that I have over Pete and Barry, though, is that even though they were here before, from the very, very beginning, before I was a pastor here, um, I stepped foot on this property before they ever moved here. And I sent this uh, email out. Before I ever started, I sent this story out. I'll tell it again. Um, when I was in fourth grade, um, sixth graders in my neighborhood convinced me that I could beat the bus home if I just went from Lovejoy Elementary School and took a diagonal straight to meandering way where I could go to River Oaks where I grew up and I could just wind my way through the streets and I'd make it home because, see, our school got out around like 3.30, I believe, is when we ended class. And so I would go to the bus and my stop was the last stop on a circuitous route. Like Lovejoy only had four buses to cover Lucas and Fairview um, at that time. So my stop was the last stop. So I would leave school at 3.30 and I'd get home sometime around 5 every day riding on the bus. And so these sixth graders, I will not name them to protect the guilty parties, um, but they convinced me. They're like, no, just head straight through the cattle field. You'll, you'll end up in meandering way and you'll be home in half the time. Now, what's weird to me is when I say head straight through the cattle field, there are people listening right now online here who have no imagination of what that looked like. They have no imagination of what it doesn't look like to have Stacy Ridge right next to us or to have Sonic or Walgreens right there. Y'all know what it feels like to have a Target in town, right? There was a time we had to drive for Plano for that. It's just odd to me that there are people still who, you know, even, even some of us who have been here for a while, we've lost that imagination that there didn't used to be a prayer garden behind me. There didn't used to be a children's wing over there. We, we tend to get comfortable with what we see as the normal and forget where we've come from. So I 
took the dare, or not the dare necessarily, I just wanted to get home sooner because I could watch TV and eat Cheetos long before my mom got home. And, um, you know, I, so I headed through, and, and back before there was an administration building there, it was just a big block talk on a playground, and, and there were cows that would come greet us during recess. So I uh, went through the barbed wire, I stepped in a cow patty, I stepped in a few more cow patties along the way, and eventually I found my way into the absolute middle of nowhere. Because there was no Sonic to mark the road. There was no Angel Parkway. There were no homes over there. There was nothing. There was no landmarker to show you where you had been or where you might have been for five miles in, in any direction, except for Lovejoy and, and a few other little homes along the way. There was nothing to give you any guidance. And so I got completely turned around, completely lost. And I eventually made my way back to Lovejoy where one of my mom's friends picked me up. But the thing I give myself credit for, if not direction sense, I think I gave myself credit for was imagination, is that I believed that at the end of that cattle field there was a home waiting for me. I believed that I could do this. And this is the imagination that I see in the people who founded Creekwood and the people who still lead at Creekwood, is the imagination that there is something out there and there is something to strive forward to, even if we get lost along the way, even if we uh, step in a cow patty along the way, that there is a promise worth seeking and worth going for. And that is the foundation, the foundation of any church, is faith. And I use imagination and faith synonymously often. Uh, faith, Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about, is believing in that which we cannot see. And the same thing goes for imagination. Imagination is believing that something is possible when the evidence states that it isn't, or when the reality in front of you states that it isn't real right now. And to start a church, to continue a church, really to honor God, right? This whole unknowable, unseeable figure, except through Jesus Christ and the body of Christ put together, takes a lot of imagination. And look at the original church planter. The original church planter's name was Abram, before he was named Abraham. And look at this route. Abraham, Abram, is called out of Ur, which is kind of modern-day Iran, Iraqish area, and when you think about the scripture passage in context, think about that Abram is grown up with his, in his father's land of Ur for probably multiple generations. There's been, like the Harrises now, with their grandchildren, right? There's Abram, and then his dad, and then his dad before him, and possibly his dad before him. They have grown up there. They're established there. They've got trade routes there. They've got comfort. They're right by the Persian Gulf. They've got a water source. They've got the Euphrates River and the Tigris River that meet up right where Ur is. This is the poshness of living. And God comes to Abram and says, you know what, I want you to do something crazy. I just want you to go to the land that I will show you. Doesn't even give him a destination. Just says, I want you to go to the land that I will show you, and I'll tell you to stop. And so Abram leaves what is the equivalent to Custer Road United Methodist Church, which was the church that Creekwood was born out of. Most of the founding members came out of Custer Road United Methodist Church, which had two rivers and a sea right next to it. It already had uh, bells and whistles and a choir. It already had free donuts that you could get on Sunday morning, right? You didn't have to set up chairs at Custer Road United Methodist Church. There were pews everywhere. It had structure. It had leadership. It had a pastor. But they left, and they went. You know, one of my favorite answers from kind of this founding core group member is Julie Stelly, um, who's, who's still very involved at the church, 
and uh, say, Julie, why, why when somebody came and said, you know, hey, we want you to go start this new church, um, why did you do that? And she'll say, because I was crazy. And she'll quickly backtrack. I mean, she holds to it, and she probably still is a little crazy, and I would say that to her face. But um, she, she will backtrack and say, yeah, I was crazy, but it was exciting, and it was adventurous, and I felt so faithful in responding to God's call to do this. It's really one of the best things I've ever done, not only for my life and my friendships, but also my trust in what God is and who God is. And it's exciting when someone comes and asks you to do something new. I could, I could pitch you an idea right now, and, and you would think, oh my gosh, that's exciting, and we could go reach new people, and we could do new exciting things, and we could go on new exciting mission trips. It's really exciting, and, and even a little, it's exciting to do something crazy, but it's a little hard when you do have to eventually leave the waterway. When you leave the church that's got everything set up for you in order to do something where you have to set up the chairs every week. Right, and there's some bonding that happens in that, but seven years of setting up chairs in a gymnasium, it, it gets a little tiring. Holding Sunday school in elementary school, uh, not even classrooms, hallways for kids and expecting those kids to really love that, that gets a little tiring. Not having free donuts every Sunday morning gets a little tiring. Right, my favorite early Creekwood story is they were holding, I think it was a Christmas event down in what's now the preteen center. It used to be the children's center. Before that, it was just a ministry house. And um, the, the story of, of guys having to push cows out of the way just so that you could get in to do it. Right, we've been through some hard things, including controversy around leadership. We've been through some hard things as a church. And, and the crazy and the exciting kind of starts, it can wear off if our imaginations are not faithful, if we can't see the promise at the end of the trial, if we can't see the promise and the goodness at the end of the effort and the work, if we don't have our faith tuned up, if we don't sharpen our imaginations, sometimes those hard things can cause us to stop where God says to go until I tell you to stop, until I show you the land. And you can see from this map here, you've got um, Abram, Abram follows the Euphrates River, and so along this route, he's got uh, easy access to water for his cattle and his tribe. He's got probably vegetative lands where he can stop and pick fruits and vegetables and, and herbs for medicine along the way. He's got every advantage going along this known water source, and then all of a sudden you see he gets to the top, and you know, there are people who already live there, and that's not the world that, that's not the land that God said to go to. So all of a sudden, Abram has to take this sharp left, this sharp detour south, through all of the desert that he's been avoiding this entire time. I mean, you see, he could have just literally gone straight across. It would have been a lot faster, but it would have been a lot harder. And Abram gets to a point where he has to separate to be faithful to God. He has to leave what he's comfortable with. He has to leave what he's known. He has to leave the easy path so that he can go to what God has promised that is going to be even better. And Abram is promised that if he takes a departure from the easy path, if he uses his imagination and faithful imagination and follows God where God is leading, then he's going to have descendants as numerous as the stars. He's going to turn eight families into 450 families, right? He's going to take this cattle field, and make it into a church that's not just a church as a building, but it's a church as a people that extends into the community and leads in so many ways and blesses in so many ways. Abram walks across the desert when things are dry, where there is no water, because he believes 
in the promise that God has in front of him. Moses did the same thing for a land of milk and honey. Jesus promises us a room in paradise. And the people of Creekwood were promised that there would be a church at the corner of Stacy and Country Club if they were willing to follow God, to put forth the effort to walk through the desert for a little bit. And you'll look, we've had some desert moments. We've had times where we had to step away from the water when there was hardship in our church, whether it be leadership or financial or just somewhat disarray. We, we've been able to trust, and God has led us through those times. One of my favorite things that's going on right now is called Open Door. Some of you volunteer regularly with Open Door. It is a respite community. Well, it's a fun, so it's a time every month, the first Thursday of every month, we have adults with special needs who come into our place, and sometimes they are right where I am doing karaoke at the top of their lungs. They met Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus in December. They play bingo. They do magic. I mean, it is all sorts of fun, and it's also a respite program for those adults' parents who get to take a little breather and get to go have their own time for just a little while. And it's going phenomenal. It's led by Christy Herman, a layperson here, and it's really um, this, this wonderful uh, ministry that is going on. Um, and it started officially in 2019, but I will tell you that it started in 2016. Because in 2016, Winnie McConney took the first phone call. She answered the phone one day, and I could hear it because our office has walls that are about this thin. Um, and so uh, I could hear her on the phone, and she was like, no, we don't have a special needs ministry here. And then apparently, like, later that day, someone else called and said, hey, uh, do y'all have a special needs ministry at Creekwood that I could bring my kids to? And, and, and she said, no, no, we don't have that here. And then I received a phone call, and it wasn't, do you have a special needs ministry? It was, hey, I'm on your website looking at your special needs ministry, and, and I'd like to bring my kid this week. And I'm like, I would love for you to bring your kid, but we don't have a special needs ministry, and you must be on the web, wrong website. And he goes, creekwoodumc.org? And I was, yes. And over the course of two weeks, we received eight phone calls that were either, were either somewhere along the line of, hey, do you have a special needs ministry for me and my children? Or, I'm looking at your website about your special needs ministry. And it became this kind of moment of like, okay, we're doing, you know, at, at that point we were kind of taking off and running at a sprinter speed, and I didn't know if we could start something new right then, but we went to church council and we said, look, I, we've gotten eight phone calls. I really think God is calling us into a new land, and so I, I really think we should start this. And church council had that faithful imagination to say, look, we have no budget for it, we have no leadership for it, but what the heck, let's go for it. Right, so we found some budget money and we made our first hire, and that wasn't enough money for that person, and it kind of didn't work out. It was one of those times where we ventured away from the water and we didn't, it didn't work out, but we got some structure in place. And so we made a second hire, and we gained some traction, and a family gave a really generous donation to build a multi-sensory you know, room and have some other programming. We had all these people who became buddies for these um, children on Sunday morning as they were integrated into uh, Sunday school and worship and, and lots of other things. It was really, really phenomenal. And then, then that leader, you know, broke her leg and other things happened, and, and we kind of had another moment where we were in the desert, and we didn't know what direction to go ahead anymore, and it kind of fizzled out where we were losing some people and it just wasn't happening anymore and I even you know I thought of it kind of as a personal failure that I hadn't driven it forward and was really discouraged I even said well maybe maybe I got God's vision wrong like maybe I didn't hear this correctly so that was 2018 and fast forward a year and uh 
I get invited down to a meeting with Barry and Christy and a few other people, and we're sitting in room 110 over here, and it's a woman from Young Life Capernaum. And if you don't, Young Life is kind of a parachurch organization that goes and works with young people, and, and Capernaum is their program for um, uh, young people who have um, special learning needs. And um, she comes and she says, you know, so Young Life, kind of the corporate office, um, is capping the age enrollment. So any young people over 22 are not going to be allowed to be in our Capernaum program anymore. And I've heard that y'all have a really great special needs ministry. <laughs> and we're like, um, of course we do. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, you could see the imagination click on for the people who are sitting in that room. You could see the instant yes of, you know what, we've got this pioneering spirit because we've been through the desert before and God has led us through. And you know what, if we're being asked to go someplace with God, we're going to say yes. And so sure enough, Christy had worked with Special Olympics a lot, and she kind of caught on fire for this, and, and Carrie Lynn got involved and came on staff right around the same time, and, and all these volunteers came about. And, and so what is Open Door now started in 2016 out of a calling by God from somebody who thought they saw on our website that we had a special needs ministry. And you know what? We had to wander through the wilderness for a little bit, and we had some desert moments, but we veered away from the water, and because we chose to go away from the safe what is current existence to the promised existence that God laid out for us, we've got a wonderful ministry that blesses families and empowers these adults with special needs to build friendships and support with each other and to live out the abundant life that God has promised for them because we left the safe place of Ur, the safe path of the water, and we went toward where God had led us. And this is the imagination that we need to carry forward for the next 20 years or the next 40 years. This is the imagination that we need to keep sharp. And we keep it sharp. I mean, you can read the Bible and see some pretty crazy things. And so we read the Bible and we keep sharp. We make sure that we come and hear prophetic words in church and in small group and dream big together to keep our imagination sharp. Because what we can do is we can get caught up in what is and what we really like about what is and what's comfortable and miss where God's calling us to go. I just want to show you a few examples. You know what this is. It's the Wright brothers, right? They were told that they were chasing a madman's fantasy, trying to get humans off the ground in an airplane. Henry Ford, when developed, or well, even the first automobiles in Benz, but Henry Ford was told that horses will never replace, uh, or cars will never replace horses because of their lack of functionality. There was an executive in a RCA boardroom that said people will one day grow tired of staring at a box. All of you who binged Netflix last night. All right, Jonas Yanway. Jonas, uh, 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 what was it? Jonas Hanway, not Yanway. Jonas Hanway walked down the streets of rainy London with an umbrella for the first time in 1720. He was the only person that didn't get soaked, but he had garbage thrown at him because they thought he looked too ladylike with a parasol from France. And it took 40 to 60, it took about 60 years, I think, if I remember my research right, 60 years for people in England to finally realize that that was a good idea to have an umbrella in the rain. You ever heard the story of the computer executive that told Steve Jobs, why would anyone want to own a computer in their own home? It's just not practical. 
All of these are stories where everything was fine. You could look at the telephone. The telephone, when Alexander Graham, Alexander Graham Bell wanted to expand the telephone service, everyone said, we already have the telegraph. Right? And when people came out with cell phones, which, you know, you can go toward the positive or negative virtue of that, but, you know, when people came out with cell phones, they said, we already have landlines. Why would anybody need to contact me on my phone when I'm not at home? Right? Everything was going just fine, but was it as good as it could have been? Would we have missed out on world travel and adventure and the ability to fly different places if the Wright brothers had just said, you know, we're fine with walking everywhere? Would we have missed out on just phenomenal content and, and just fun storytelling if we had all grown tired of sitting, staring at a box? Would we be soaking wet everywhere we went if we thought umbrellas were too ladylike? There's a certain element where every technological advance, every advance in society, every church that has been planted, every movement forward has been somebody or some group of people that has been willing to say, sure, I'll do that, when it makes absolutely no sense. When you've got the posh living, when you've got the river where it has all the resources, on some level, God comes to every single one of us and says, turn left, go south. Go into the land that nobody else wants to go to. Go to the land where I will show you, and that's where you will have descendants as numerous as the stars. That is where trees will be planted and grow deep roots, and you know what? In its season, you will bear fruit. And the challenge, the virtue that we need to inherit and keep going from early pioneers, and you know, sometimes can get static around here, is that we need to keep our imaginations sharp. We need to have this belief that God will provide. We need to have this belief that God is leading. We need to have this belief that this is not the finished version of Creekwood United Methodist Church. There are children that need to be reached. There are students that need a place where they can call home and feel safe in asking their faith questions. There are adults who are lonely and misguided. There are senior adults who need care and who need friendships and who need guidance as well. There are people who need Jesus. There are people who need God. There are we, and we need it. Because we can't grow static and just thinking, I'm done. None of us are done. Individually, when we look in the mirror, do we see a true reflection of Christ or do we see somebody who needs a little bit more work for God to mold us into a more complete disciple? Collectively, are we the church that is actively reaching out, actively reaching out in mission, service, and evangelism to our community to the nth degree and the level that we have the resources to do? One of the interesting things that I've, uh, interesting phone calls I've gotten to be a part of recently, um, and I'll kind of, it's kind of this thread of thought that started in a finance team meeting where Andrew Still, who's on the finance team, um, and Dusty likes to talk about this, and said, you know, if we did have more money, if we weren't sending out emails saying, hey, we still have this much to make up, right? If we did have all this extra money, if people were giving 10% truly, and we just had all this extra money, what would we do with it? I received a phone call from um, a friend who's a pastor recently. He's a church nearby. Their budget's like a third of ours, and it's about $550,000. And gave me a call like about a month ago and said, hey, I've got a problem. And I thought, okay, well, I can, you know, I'll listen and see what I can do. And he goes, this woman walked in, and she did really well in the stock market this year, and she's going to make a donation of $700,000. I said, tell me where the problem is. And he goes, I have no idea what to do with it. So my first response was, give it to me, and I'll do something with it. Like, I've got a million ideas. 
right? And, and some of it's not about money, but it's just about if our imagination's about what our time looked like as well. What would we do if we just had all these people who were knocking at our door saying, I really want to volunteer? What if we had all these people who were knocking at our door and be like, you know what, there are children who need to know that Jesus loves them and I want to go reach them. I, just put me to work, right? There, there's just this question of what we would do if we had all these resources. And there's lots of different ideas. I mean, I have not been shy that I really believe that there is potential for a great coffee shop ministry for those who will never darken the door of a church just down the road if we don't lose out on the space before somebody else takes it. I really believe that we could uh, launch a new campus in Princeton where we already have a relationship with Harper Elementary and, and build on that relationship for the, like, what, 7,000 people that have just moved into town and there's no Methodist church in Princeton right now. And we have people that drive here from Princeton. Right? Other people, I, I mentioned one time back in 2015 how great it would be if we um, had like a full-time counselor on staff, because mental health is really a big deal in our community from all the stress and anxiety and, and just ambition that people have. And, and sure enough, a member came forward and said, well, I'm a retired local counselor, and that would be great. And, and we formed outreach counseling. He formed outreach counseling, and we partnered with them. But the, the vision people have is that that even grows larger to where you don't have to really go through hoops and jumps to find a counselor. You just go to your church which connects you with a counselor, which can help you find God again. Right? Other people have talked about, wouldn't it be great if we had like this really state-of-the-art youth center that wasn't across the pond, so when new families came, we didn't have to say, hey, your high schooler needs to walk a quarter of a mile to find their community. Other people have talked about, wouldn't it be great if we just could pay for everybody to go on a Zoe trip or a mission trip? Because we just had this money in missions right there. Other people have talked about, couldn't we ramp up our, our involvement with Habitat for Humanity or Harper Elementary, you know, if we had these resources and people? Because mission's really about your time more than your money. I mean, you see where the imagination can head, right? You can see where the imagination can head if we all just turn left. If we all just head south, if we all just look at the desert and we're not afraid because we know at the end of that there is water and it's living water. It's the living water that we plant our roots in with Jesus Christ and Jesus shows us the victory and the promise. That is faith. That is imagination. And that is the virtue we are called to go forward into the next 20 years to never let our imagination fade of what can be when we commit to God's ministry, when we know that God is saying Come with me. Go with me. Go. There is a land beyond what you can see. It is even better than what we have right now. Just trust me a little bit. Trust me a little bit with your prayers and your presence and your gifts and your service and your witness. Just go to the land that I will show you and dream big. Will you pray with me? God, you are um, such an amazing big God to show us big dreams, and yet we're humbled that each one of us is known to you. You know the hairs on our heads. You love us uniquely, and you are speaking to us individually and as a church to go into the land that you will show us. And so, Lord, I pray that our eyes are open, our hearts are open, and our minds are sharp to see where you are calling us and respond faithfully when you are calling us, whether it be this huge, big, hairy, audacious goal, or whether it is simply loving our neighbor next door well. 
God, it's in your victory that we take solace. It is in your dreams that we find our faith. And it is in that promise of salvation that we have found through Christ that we live, we breathe, and we go forward. And so, Lord, we are yours. Send us where you will. I pray that we are ready to listen. It's in your son's name we pray and we sing. Amen. Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC and our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week.